This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Future Talk podcast. This is Future Talk. Future Talk. Future Talk with Omnial Saleh and Hany Balkis. Happy Sunday, everyone, and welcome back to Future Talk right here on Pulse95. I hope you're all having a fantastic start to your week. Excited for yet another Sunday for us to spend it with each other, bringing you the latest tech headlines happening right here in the UAE and all around the world. What an interesting show I have in store for all of you today as we talk about Elon Musk's drama. He has been very, very angry with Apple, to say the least, and he's been slapping Apple over some Apple Store changes. What are those changes and why is he so angry? We're going to be giving you all those details in just a few moments. Coming up on the show, this new, this piece of news has actually been making headlines on many social media platforms as well because people who own Kindles will now be a little bit disappointed, especially if you have an older Kindle and not a new one, not a very recent one, because some Kindles may be losing internet connection very soon. And we've got a warning from Amazon about what to do next in the world of apps. We've also got you covered because we're going to be talking about Snapchat and why it was crashing for a lot of people. If you're one of those people who've been struggling with Snapchat crashing and you still don't know what to do, how can you fix it? We're going to be giving you a quick fix in just a few moments as well. In the world of weird tech, we're talking about two-legged robots that look a lot like ostriches, but they have actually been doing marathons. And this specific robot crossed a milestone. What is that milestone? And how many kilometers was he able, was it able to cover? We're going to be telling you about that as well. We're also going to be talking about Twitter and how they're also becoming a little bit generous with us uh, when it comes to payments because they've actually been holding a competition for all white hat hackers out there where they might just be getting some money if they can go ahead and fish out some of the biases in their automatic image crops. Lots and Lots is in store right here on the show, so keep Pulse 95 locked and we'll be right back. Pulse 95. Daily digital news. Bits and bytes connect our world. Your quick roundup of everything that is happening in the tech world, in the UAE and all around the world. Today we're going to be talking about Elon Musk because he has been very angry with Apple to say the least. He's been slapping them over some App Store charges and supporting the game maker Epic Games who have definitely been struggling with Apple ever since August of last year. Now, he went and he took it to Twitter, which is very usual for Elon Musk. I mean, what do we expect other than him complaining about everything that has to do with Apple? Anything that angers him, he just takes it to Twitter. He went ahead and tweeted on, I think it was on Friday, he said, Epic is right. Apple is de facto global tax on the internet way too much. Now, this makes sense a lot because when we talk about Apple and their app store changes, they always have fees that they go ahead and charge a lot of developers, app developers, whether it was gamers, people who invent games, they're always charged. Apple likes to take some percentage of whatever it is that they make. He's trying to show some support for that game's app maker, Epic Games. And, you know, he's been very, very annoyed at Apple because lately he believes that first off, he he should have taken and started ruling Apple. To him, he wants to replace Tim Cook. But a lot of people have actually come out and said that he's he's just trying to make fun of it. He doesn't really have any interest in owning Apple. He did come out, though, and say that he actually likes and uses Apple products, but 
To him, they are obviously overcharging with the App Store because 30% fees for doing almost zero incremental work is completely unreasonable. Once again, these are his words and not mine. He also added and said that Epic, the Epic would not bother processing their own payments if the App Store fees were fair. Now, according to many reports that have been launched, Apple is battling a case that was filed last year this time by Epic Games where Epic Games came out and they alleged that Apple has been abusing its dominance in the market for mobile apps. They charge way too much. And to them, to Apple, Epic went ahead and broke their rules by introducing its very own in-app payment system in Fortnite. So they bypassed Apple's commission rates. And to them, this is illegal. This does not work out, which is part of the reason why at some point Fortnite was actually going to be banned off of the App Store. Now, Musk is a big fan of Apple. Yet once again, he wants to be fair. He does not want any biases to come in between him and him fighting for their rights. So he did go ahead and tweet in favor of Epic and he did say that it should be up to every gamer, every game company to go ahead and basically charge whatever they want to charge to their users. Because at the end of the day, they're the ones going through the pain of coding, of introducing new features, of introducing new benefits for themselves and the gamers on the App Store. Now, Apple and Epic Games did go to trial earlier this year. We're still waiting to hear the outcome from it, but Epic Games is aiming for basically an alternative App Store or an app loading option. However, Apple wants to maintain that status quo. So we've got to see, and time will tell, which will be the winner. Musk did clash with Apple over the years because of their employee poaching issues. If we dig, dig deep back into history, we'd realize that this is actually the first time that he's taken it to Twitter. This is the first time that he's directly spoken about Apple's App Store policies. Because when we look at Tesla, it does, doesn't actually have a paid app in the App Store, so it's not impacted by the fees. So there, there should be no reason for him to go ahead and take it to Twitter. He's not the one impacted. However, he does have some plans of introducing it on the App Store. So could be part of the reason why he is actually trying to fight for Epic Games. So that maybe if he won the fight, he'd go ahead and introduce the Tesla app on the App Store. Let me know your thoughts. Do you have Fortnite downloaded on your phones, on your gaming, uh, gaming consoles? And what are your thoughts on how Elon Musk deals with a lot of issues? I want to hear from you. 4215 do it to Salat or sign into our DMs at Pulse95 Radio. Coming up on the show, if you own a Kindle, this story will be of interest to you because some Kindles may soon be losing internet connection and that is coming straight from Amazon. What's that all about? You gotta stay tuned to find out about it. You're listening to Pulse95. Daily digital news. Bits and bytes connect our world. If you've got a Kindle, this news may just make you feel a little bit discouraged to actually use it because a lot of older Kindles will now, soon enough, lose their internet connection. This is a warning that Amazon actually announced on Thursday. Now, the corporate giant did warn that the first and second generation models of its Kindle will no longer connect to the internet to be able to download brand new books. And the reason behind this is totally Amazon's fault because they actually did not come up with any new Wi-Fi functions and they would typically just rely on mobile internet. So 
The slower 2G and 3G internets, which are usually used at the time, or were used at the time when the Amazon first came out, when the Amazon, when the Kindle first came out, will be discontinued in several countries. So anyone who owns a Kindle DX, the first and second generation of Kindle, according to Amazon, they will be losing all forms of internet connection. So whatever books you previously had on Kindle, those are the only books you'll be able to read now. I don't know how I feel about this news because it's it's definitely going to discourage people A, from reading, but B, from owning a Kindle to begin with. Because a lot of people buy Kindles, are excited about it when they first get it, and then over time, they just sit there. And one, one the biggest exhibit is Hani's Kindle because he was so excited to buy it, and if I'm not mistaken, he barely uses it now. But I'm going to be listing out the different types of Kindle that will no longer be supporting internet connection starting from a couple in a couple of months basically so you've got the kindle keyboard which is the third generation you have the kindle touch which is the fourth generation you have the kindle paperwhite fifth sixth and seventh generation and then the kindle voyage and the kindle oasis uh, there are certain devices that were released back in 2016 those will not be basically supporting any form of internet but newer ones that use 4g technology will basically be unaffected now using wi-fi i'm gonna list out a couple that will still be working just fine which is the kindle oasis eighth generation the kindle voyage seventh generation amazon has been emailing some of the affected customers warning them about this change yet still thanking them for being one of their earliest customers i think part of the propaganda behind this is to make people go ahead and buy newer kindles newer generations it's kind of like when you buy a phone and then apple goes ahead and let's say releases a new iphone or stops supporting older generation iphones so then people have to go ahead and buy the new ones so it's kind of maybe part of the reason why they're also offering a discount for those who want to upgrade to their modern models and they have the older model that will no longer support internet you will get get a little bit of a discount don't know how big of a discount that is going to be uh, amazon did also kind of calm our fears down if we have an older generation by saying that it is still possible for you to sideload books onto kindle so you can use their usb connection connect to the internet through that and then go ahead and sideload some books however that will require finding and downloading those ebooks that you want to read in the correct format so it might just be easier to go ahead and buy a new kindle altogether let me know if you own a kindle let's see how many of us own a kindle versus those who just stick with physical books my preference honestly or would go ahead and read the books off of their phone our text lines are open 4215 or sign into our dms at pulse 95 radio coming up we're going to be talking all about crashing apps one of them being snapchat because this weekend a lot of people were frustrated with snapchat crashing and some still don't know how to go ahead and fix it keep pulse 95 locked to find out more about it Apps all around. What's worth a click and download? If you're a big fan of Snapchatting everything and anything to your friends and loved ones, this weekend you may have been a little bit disappointed with Snapchat because it had a big bug that was causing it to basically crash down. Every time you try to log into the app, open it up, it crashes every single time and you are no longer able to open it. You can't even take a video or a snap and then save it 
you just can't use the app altogether. And this was an issue that a lot of Snapchatters went ahead and took it to Twitter, which is honestly the perfect way to find out if an application is down or it's just your phone. Because a lot of the times you come to use an app and then it crashes and it just it takes you a moment to think like, is it just me or is it everyone else in the world? But Rest assured, it's not just your phone and it's not just you. A lot of people were complaining on Twitter and Snapchat went ahead and replied on Twitter saying, hang tight, we're looking into it and working on a fix. It took them five hours to find a solution, but nonetheless, it was out and Snapchat support did advise a lot of users to go ahead and manually update the application if the issue was still continuing. So that's basically the fix. Snapchat usually automatically updates on your on your phone just like a lot of social media applications randomly you'll find instagram updating facebook twitter same thing with snapchat but for those users who did not get that automatic update i was honestly one of them i had to go manually to the app store look for snapchat and click on the update option once you do that the application will be updated automatically and you will not be facing that crash once again the outage followed the nasty bug that was actually uh, first off on snapchat back in june and a lot of ios users were actually complaining of the crash back in june that bug was eventually fixed in an update that was released soon after yet for some users that bug was still there once again if you are facing an outage with any of the applications one of the best ways to find out if it's just your phone is to go ahead and check out the memes that people are posting on twitter one, they'll give you a great laugh, but two, you'll actually find out if that social media application is down and you'll have some fun with it. You'll have a fun distraction until it is back up and working. If your phone is not automatically downloading the update, go ahead and restart your phone and then try logging into your app store and going ahead and downloading it. Try to tap on your profile picture on Snapchat and pull it down for a quick refresh. This is again another fix. If you did go ahead and update it, but you're still facing the crash, any available updates should appear on the app store when you go ahead and check out Snapchat, Twitter, whatever is the social media app, you should find it over there. I want to hear from all of you. Did you face the outage yourself? And how often do you use Snapchat? Do you go for Snapchat stories, private groups, or would you rather just go ahead and post it on Instagram? Our text lines are open for 215-DOOR-IT-IS-A-LOT or sign into our DMs at Pulse95Radio. Let's have a quick social media preferences games because personally, I feel like Snapchat is a little bit more personal than Instagram. And that's for a sole reason of you being able to send a specific snap for a couple of people versus Instagram, where even though you can still do that, I just, I don't know. I feel like for Instagram, it's just you post it on a story. You don't send private snap looking Insta, what do you even call them? Insta messages, (laughs) Insta DMs, but picture format. I don't know. I feel like Snapchat is a little bit more personal. Instagram is more for whatever it is that you want to just have on your story. It's kind of like your little memory lane timeline. But let me know what your thoughts are. Coming up on the show, I always bring you the weirdest tech out there. And today is no different because we're going to be talking about an ostrich-inspired two-legged robot that is named Cassie. She actually won a marathon. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna reveal how much she was able to run, but to say the least, it's the same amount that I was actually training for for four months. But she was able to do it in a heartbeat. So 
<sighs> does not get me a little discouraged. No, not at all. Let me know what your thoughts are and how, how far do you think Cassie the robot did before I come and reveal that story in just a few moments. I'm going to be leaving you with the sports headlines and coming back shortly after. You're listening to Pulse 95. Pulse 95. Check this out. Check this out. I have a wide smile on my face as we talk about this story because if for anyone who knows me, they would know that I am a big fan of running. It's my favorite sport. I'm trying to get better at it, but I have been training for quite some time to be able to run five kilometers. Run slash jog. But one ostrich looking robot. Oh man, am I... Um, do I envy her or it? Because this ostrich-inspired two-leg robot named Cassie was able to cross the five-kilometer running milestone very easily. She has a single. She does it on a single battery charge. Can you imagine? And she does it in under an hour. I can do it under an hour as well. So there you go, Cassie. <laughs> but being able to do it so easily, she has not been training for quite some time. I'm, I keep saying she, even though we. We keep agreeing right here on Future Talk that we're just going to call them an it. They don't have a gender. We can't go ahead and just give them a gender because they have a female name. But Cassie is able to basically run five kilometers in an outdoor environment. Mind you, running outdoors is a lot different than running indoors on a treadmill. Because with outdoors, you have different terrains. You can come across a sidewalk. You can come across a road. It's just, it's a lot different. And then you have the weather. If it's dusty, if there is sand, like there's, there are so many factors. So for Cassie the robot to be able to do that, that is a very big milestone. According to the inventors of Cassie, who are the robotic professor Jonathan Hurst from Oregon State University and a couple of his faculty in the US, Cassie is actually the first two-legged robot to use machine learning to basically be able to control the running outside in an outdoor environment with different terrains. So this is exactly why it is such a huge accomplishment for us to be talking about today, because not every robot is able to do that. And the reason behind it is because us as humans, we've been so blessed, so, so blessed to be able to maintain our balance even when we run, when we walk, when we jump. You name it, we maintain our balance without giving it a second thought. But with robots, they definitely struggle with that. One of the biggest challenges when it comes to designing bipedal robots, which is basically the name that we give for robots that have only two legs. Researchers say that running actually requires a lot of effort from them. It requires dynamic balancing, which is the ability to maintain balance while also switching positions or being in motion. So Cassie the robot had to finish up the five kilometers, run, but at the same time, not fall down, not go sideways, not fall over. So in the case of Cassie, she had knees that actually bend like that of an ostrich. And she was able to teach herself to run by using a machine learning algorithm that helped her make all the subtle adjustments that she would need so that she can stay upright while moving without necessarily bending her back to give her that extra balance. The Dynamic Robots Laboratory students in that college that actually came up with Cassie did say that it required a lot of algorithm work for them to be able to create that animal-like level of performance, which is very exciting because 
she's basically making history. If now she can run 5K, who knows? Maybe the next marathon that we see, you'd find half robots, half humans to see who could beat the other. Earlier this year, the inventors of Cassie the Robot actually tested her out and they demonstrated to all the students in that university how Cassie is capable of walking up and down the stairs without the help of any cameras or LiDAR technology, which is usually widely used when it comes to automated navigation control systems. Looking at the GPS, looking at any anything that basically moves that's a robot, they all use different navigation control systems to be able to maintain the right balance and the right directions. Now, one other aspect that we need to take into account is the fact that Cassie is blind. As a robot, she does not have a set of eyes, meaning that she does not have or obtain any information about her surroundings. She could basically come across the stairs, but she'll never see them. She'll only find out that she's near a set of stairs once she comes basically near it, when she's about to step on that first stare. Researchers did say that she as a robot was actually, or it as a robot, was actually able to achieve this new accomplishment by processing data on the kind of contact that its limbs are making with the stairs. So us as humans, when we come across stairs, when we kind of come and, and bump into that first step, we'd realize that, oh, this is not just land that we're walking on. We'd have to raise our leg. And it's kind of a similar action that Cassie the robot would have to do without necessarily being able to see it. She's like a blind person running a 5k marathon. This robot took nearly 6.5 minutes of time resetting after two falls. So she did have quite a, a rocky start, but she did not overheat. She did not basically uh, completely fall over or shut down. She was able to complete five kilometers worth of running in 53 minutes and three seconds. She's a very efficient robot because of the way she was designed and built. And uh, her inventors were actually able to arrive to great, great heights of hardware and software development for them to be able to create such a robot. Because once again, we see robots, you know, helping us pick up items, doing some of the, the most time-consuming chores that we could possibly think of. But we don't realize that they actually really struggle with the simple things. Drawing, running, walking, these are all maybe actions that we don't take a second thought when we do them. But to a robot, they're very difficult because they require a lot of precision, a lot of patience, but at the same time, being able to put everything into account and still do it right. So I feel like today it gives me kind of like a moment to reflect back on my blessings, but also to celebrate how far robots are coming to this day. And who knows, one day we may just be running a marathon where a robot will be right next to you. <laughs> but the biggest advantage is that this robot won't feel thirsty, won't need a drink of water, and they can just keep going. So how can we compete against them? And will they be able to help us improve our life when they start doing a lot of the similar actions that we do without necessarily having to take a, a minute to rest? I want to hear from all of you. 4215, do it to or sign into our DMs at Pulse95 Radio, especially for all the runners out there. What do you think of Cassie's achievement? She ran 5 kilometers in 53 minutes and 3 seconds. Would you beat that? And could you beat that? Let me know. 4215, do it to or sign into our DMs at Pulse95 Radio. You're listening to Pulse95. Pulse95. Future Talk. Future Talk with Omnia Al Saleh and Hany Balkis.
Now, if you are a white hat hacker, I've got some good news for you because Twitter is willing to pay some cash after a lot of accusations of Twitter basically being a little bit biased when it comes to its image crops. They are now willing to pay some money to be able to identify all those biases when it comes to its image cropping algorithm. So they're holding out a competition and they're going to be handing out some cash prizes to all of the winning teams. They are hoping that this is going to give a lot of people some access to Twitter's code and potentially help them find ways to make their algorithm be a little bit less harmful to towards different ethnicities, different races, especially when it comes to cropping. There's a lot of stereotypes that actually lie in algorithms and we've discussed them before on Future Talk. One of them being Let's give a quick example, robots or self-driving cars being able to spot people with different skin colors. So for those of you who don't know, a self-driving car is more likely to spot someone who is fair-skinned crossing the road versus someone who is dark-skinned. And a lot of people have actually lost their lives uh, because of this issue. We've seen different dogs who are, let's say, darker, let's say a black cat, a black dog crossing the road. They're more likely to be hit by a self-driving car than a fair colored ginger, white, you name it, cat. And this actually applies to humans as well, because humans are going to have to operate this technology. And if technology is not being fair towards us, how are we going to go ahead and use it? So with Twitter, a lot of studies have actually shown that when it comes to automatically cropping an image, Twitter goes ahead and crops sometimes humans, humans who are dark skinned. And this is exactly why Twitter is now launching a competition to help fight all these biases. So those competing in Twitter's competition will have to submit a description of their findings. They're going to have to showcase a data set that can be run through Twitter's algorithm to demonstrate a specific issue. So if let's say a coder goes ahead and discovers that Twitter is more likely to crop someone who is dark skinned, they have to go ahead and showcase the data set, showcase a few examples for Twitter to be able to hand them out the award. Then Twitter is going to go ahead and assign certain points based on what kind of harms are found and how much it could potentially affect people. So a winning team, someone who could basically spot a very big loop or gap in Twitter's code, may be awarded $3,500. And there are also separate prizes for those who are individuals. So if you're a team, you'll get a $3,000 prize. If you're one person who found out that there's a loophole in the code, you'll receive a separate $1,000 prize for the most innovative findings. That amount has caused a bit of a stir on Twitter because a few users were saying that it should have an extra zero for context. So people want a million dollar prize or at least $10,000 prize for the finding. Twitter did also say that their normal bug bounty program would basically pay you about $2,940 if you found a bug that lets you perform actions for someone else. So if you as a user found a bug, that could allow you to retweet someone's tweet or retweet someone's image from their account using cross-site scripting, you would be basically allowed to get that $2,940 
prize. Also, there's another issue that would give you some money, which is uh, if you can go ahead and take over someone's Twitter account without them knowing. This would give you a bug bounty prize of $7,700. Now, Twitter has done its own research when it comes to image cropping algorithms before. And back in May, they published a paper on uh, showcasing the different accusations when it comes to the crops and how a lot of these image crops can can be quite racist. They've mostly went, were able to get away with it because they would fix the algorithm, but then there would be another loophole and another loophole. So one way that they've been able to basically escape any lawsuits any accusations was to open up the competition help the users spot the mistakes and get some money from it let me know what are your thoughts and do you think technology can be quite selective with our skin color can they be quite racist with the way that they deal with our ethnicities and races our text lines are open 4215 do it a lot or sign into rdms at pulse 95 radio let me know what are your thoughts Sadly, my hour with you has come to an end. Future Talk is going to be commencing yet again tomorrow. Same time, same place from 2 to 3 p.m. Until then, Pulse95 has got you covered with different shows that will keep you entertained throughout the day. Coming up is Afternoon Karak with the Dream Team. Aisha Mazmi and Mikhail Atiyah are going to be bringing you all things pop culture. What is trending? Shows? Movies? What day it is? Because I found out on Thursday that it was actually Chicken Tenders Day. Or no, it was Chicken Wings Day. But... I love chicken tenders and I am with Aisha Mazmi, so I would call it Chicken Tenders Day. So there is so much in store on their show. You want to tune into it because it's a show that you don't want to miss. I hope you have a wonderful day. I'll catch you again tomorrow. Same time, same place, only here on Pulse 95. This is Pulse 95. Tune in live every weekday from 2 p.m.